You're listening to the Vineyard Milwaukee podcast. For more information about Vineyard Milwaukee Church, visit vineyardmilwaukee.com. Now here's this week's message. Good morning. I'm sorry we can't be together in person, but I'm happy to have an avenue to connect with you some way. And um, I just look forward to connecting you in any way that we can over these weeks to come. I'm glad you're with us this morning, though. Um, So I'm wondering if you're familiar with this series of uh, The Godfather, The Godfather movies. I have to admit, I've actually not seen any of The Godfather movies, although I can quote many lines from the movies because they're so popular, and it's actually on my quarantine bucket list to watch all of them while I'm home. Uh, But if you are familiar with The Godfather or any mafia movies, what is the currency that you always uh, see used in the mafia? Is it money? The currency that's often used in uh, these kind of organized crime societies is loyalty, right? It's being loyal above all else to your people. And this is true for all kinds of organized crime. I mean, you see it in gangs, um, on the street, even within the American prison system. There's this whole idea of being loyal to your group, to your people. Maybe some of you grew up in a family where loyalty was, was a high priority, um, where you were expected to be loyal to your family. And this may have been a good thing. You may have um, learned to respect and honor your parents and your aunts and uncles and grandparents. You may have grown up contributing to the needs of your household. Sometimes loyalty in a family can actually be a negative thing if it's used to kind of cover up abusive or dysfunctional situations where you're kind of expected to hide family secrets and that kind of thing. But in general, loyalty is is really a good thing, isn't it? I mean, if you are loyal to your company, that makes you a really excellent employee. If you're loyal to your friends, that makes you a wonderful friend. And certainly in marriage, loyalty is an absolute necessity to hold a marriage together. And so when I think about loyalty, I wonder... For those of you who love and follow Jesus, if you've ever had a time in your life where you felt tempted to be disloyal, where you struggled with your loyalty to Jesus, and I know, I know that's been true for me, and maybe there's been a season even where you were experiencing something really hard and painful in your life, and uh, you were really questioning your loyalty. I remember a time several years ago now where I was really struggling with, um, with life. Um, it seemed like the rug had been pulled out from under us in a variety of ways. Dave and I were in the throes of, of church planting and this little group we had gathered had scattered and right at the same time, we were experiencing lots of financial difficulties. There was um, an investor who had, we had spent uh, weeks and months working with who who was going to do a startup business in the area that was going to provide a regular income for us and kind of keep us financial financially stable and suddenly unexpectedly he pulled out and all of these things were happening at once where it just felt like everything we had invested in was was crumbling and I just remember waking up once in the middle of the night and it almost felt like a mild panic attack I just thought I just can't do this anymore and I remember coming out of my room and going into another part of our house where I could be alone. And I was just sobbing and sobbing and crying out to God. I was so angry and so hurt and disappointed and confused. I felt like we were doing this thing that God had 
called us to do and asked us to do and had made it, made it possible for us to do it. But then he suddenly gave up on us, just kind of said, eh, I'm done, I'm done here. And so I was pouring all this out to God and I just said in all my anger, I quit, I just quit. And as I kind of quieted down, I just felt the Lord say to me, quit? You quit what? Me? You want to quit me? And I just, I just wonder if you've ever felt like giving up on Jesus. You ever felt like your faith or your trust in him was just kind of slipping away, maybe following a significant loss in your life. Maybe you experienced something really painful like a miscarriage or the loss of a, of a friend or a parent or somebody you were close to. Um, maybe it was the loss of a, of a job or a dream or something you had been investing in, maybe a ministry that you had poured yourself into for many years. Maybe this just came following years and years of a particular unanswered prayer. Or maybe you're just tired of waiting for God to move in a specific area in your life, something you've been praying for and struggling with and wrestling with for so long. And it just leads you to a place where you just think, I don't know if I can keep doing this. I don't know if I can stay loyal. Have you had a life experience that made you wonder, do I really want to continue on in my relationship with God? Maybe the life experience is a larger thing, a community tragedy like the one we're facing right now with this COVID-19 pandemic. Maybe it's causing you to question, is God in control? Does he love us? Is he taking care of us? Does he see me in the midst of all of this? Sometimes we want to turn away from continuing to follow Jesus because the price of following him has just become so much higher. We find ourselves in an environment where following Jesus has become horribly unpopular, that our association with Jesus might cost us professionally or relationally, or it might affect uh, the image that we'd like to portray to others. Sometimes the price invo involves the calling that God has in our life. Sometimes the Lord's calling us to significant sacrifice, maybe financial sacrifice, maybe to give up a great high-paying career to go into full-time ministry or to go on the missions field. To, to leave friends and family, to engage in some kind of ministry. And, and maybe God is calling us to a significant pay cut so that we can serve others better. And so the call in our life is just made following Jesus and staying loyal to Jesus that much harder. Or maybe the price of following Christ might involve God speaking to you about something you really don't want to hear him about. Maybe He's he speaks to you about a relationship with a boyfriend or girlfriend saying, you're going to need to end this if you want to continue to faithfully follow me. And it just gets hard. Well, this is often true for us today. And it was true for Jesus's first group of disciples. And so today we're going to look in the, in the gospel of John. And we're going to look at a question that Jesus asked of his inner circle of disciples, his closest friends. And it's a question that he asks us today and so many around the world who are in the midst of this anxious, challenging time that we're all facing, where all kinds of people are doing soul searching. And in the midst of all of this unsettling time, the question that Jesus asks is, do you also want to leave? So let's just take a minute and pray and then we'll take a look at the scripture today. Uh, Jesus, I just thank you that you are in our midst, 
and um, I just pray your favor and blessing on every person listening right now. And I ask that you just open up something for each of us today that you want to put your finger on, that you want to speak into. I just pray you put power on this message. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to be looking at a scene from John 6, verses 53 through 69. And just to kind of give you some background, at this point in the journey, that John's been kind of laying out Jesus' journey, Jesus is getting closer and closer to his final destination, the cross. And things are kind of heating up. Things are ramping up. Those that are following Jesus are recognizing things are getting more and more volatile and there's more and more controversy around him. And so he's just, uh, Hannah talked about last week, the miracle of the multiplication. So he's just done this huge miracle of multiplying a few loaves of fish and bread and feeding thousands of people. And um, at this point, the cost of following Jesus is becoming clear to his inner circle. And so Jesus at this point starts to say to them, starting in verse 53, it says, Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in me. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching them in the synagogue in Capernaum. So let me pause here for just a minute. If you're not familiar with this verse, you might be kind of wondering, is this, is this the title of a horror movie? I mean, really? Jesus is like, if you want, if you want a part of me, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. This is pretty, a pretty scandalous and disturbing image he's, he's painting here. So what's happening here? Why is Jesus saying something that's so disturbing and, and that's, that's really actually quite offensive to those who are listening? Um, does he really want people to like take a bite out of his flesh or rather is he encouraging them to push through the discomfort of what he's saying and to really seek the deeper spiritual meaning here? So now with the benefit that we have of see knowing the whole gospel and knowing the end of the story, we know what Jesus is talking about here. He's saying it's not enough to just be around me, not enough just to be around my people, to come to church, to, to just adopt my principles or watch online sermons or go to church. Jesus is saying, don't just listen to my teachings. Don't just be excited about the cool things that I'm doing, but you need to be united with me. You need to have my life inside of you and your life inside of me. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. So what he's saying in these strange and confusing words is a powerful truth here. He's saying that to pass through death into eternal life requires an individual to be united with Christ, to be joined to Christ, to have the life of Christ literally in their soul. What a vivid metaphor he uses here, to eat his flesh and drink his blood. He's literally saying to eat him and drink him into your being so that 
that his being is incorporated into our bodies spiritually by faith. Jesus is literally incorporated into our souls, into our very being. And depending on how you receive this, you will either find this kind of disturbing or offensive or really beautiful. And that's how Jesus' early followers responded. Some said, this is too weird and this is too hard. And others said, all right, I'm, I'm all in. So picking up at verse 60, it says, On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you, they are not, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which, which, of, them, which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Jesus would often kind of up the ante, kind of turn up the heat, so to speak, to really kind of weed out those who were, who were kind of straddling the fence. Those who were hovering around, that were excited about the neat things that Jesus were doing, but weren't ready to necessarily be all in, no matter what the cost. And so he would offend their minds. He would, he would ask really difficult questions, forcing them to push through the discomfort and take a step closer. Or shrug their shoulders and walk away, which is what many of them did. So Jesus turns to his 12 closest followers at this point, his closest friends, and he says in verse 67, you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. So let me ask you this. Has God ever allowed something or said something in your life that you just found downright confusing, that you were just utterly lost? God, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Why are you not doing this? He said, I don't get it. I don't understand why you did that, Lord. I don't understand why you said that. I don't understand why you're withholding this from me. When we are confronted by the mystery of God, often we're tempted to pull our hearts away from him. The question Jesus was asking them and asks us now is, will you be loyal? Will you remain loyal to me? Will you be loyal to me when life gets hard? When, when prayers go unanswered, when following me costs you more, when I don't make sense, when my words don't make sense, my silence doesn't make sense, when your circumstances leave you hurt and frustrated and confused, will you remain loyal to me? Jesus is asking us for the kind of loyalty that is not based on our list of acceptable outcomes. So I'll stay loyal to you, Lord. I'll trust you as long as you don't let any kind of tragedy occur in my life or in the world around me, as long as nothing hurts me or my family personally. Jesus says, will you stay loyal to me even if the marriage you're in still remains unhappy? Or will you stay loyal even if you remain single and unmarried? Or even if you are never able to have children, will you remain loyal to me then? Will you remain loyal to me if you lose your job or your personal dream is never fulfilled? Will you remain loyal to me even if I don't intervene and I allow, and I, and I, I allow people do, to do terrible things to each other and I don't prevent them? Will you then still remain loyal to me? So what's our response? Because all of us 
if we haven't already experienced this many times in our life, we'll probably at some point experience the mystery of God and, and experience this question and this wrestling. Just like the disciples did, where God is a mystery. We don't understand his ways. So how do we respond at these times? Well, let's look at how Peter responds as he's speaking for himself and the other disciples in verses 68 through 69. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Peter has confirmed his loyalty to Jesus. His loyalty is not based on what Jesus is doing or not doing or any list of acceptable outcomes or guarantees that life is going to go a certain way for him or even that Jesus always makes sense. Peter's loyalty is based on his confidence that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is the Holy One of God. Peter's loyalty is not based on his life circumstances, but it's based on the person of Jesus. He is loyal to a, a person despite any disappointments, confusion, or costs. So what does this mean for us right now, today? The call in our lives first is to actually eat his flesh and drink his blood, to take him into our being through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And if you've never done this before, then that's the first step, is to invite the Holy Spirit to literally take up residence inside of you. And then his life becomes more and more entwined with ours as we remain loyal to him on the way. So our challenge is to remain loyal to him moment by moment in every circumstance. So you're experiencing loneliness and isolation right now. Maybe you live alone and in the middle of this quarantine, many of us are experiencing loneliness. And so part of remaining loyal to Jesus is guarding what you're watching online during this time. Maybe you're experiencing tension. Maybe you're part of a big family and you're married and you and your spouse and your kids are experiencing tension because you're having a little too much together in this time, being right on top of each other all the time. So remaining loyal to Jesus might look like offering lots of grace and forgiving each other easily. Maybe you're facing serious financial pressures right now. Maybe you have potential of losing your job or you're losing wages. Staying loyal to Jesus means continuing to seek him for your provision, keeping your heart generous toward others, and continuing to live with integrity, making um, the right financial decisions and the, and the pressure of the unknown. This call, call to loyalty is in the big things when the stakes are really high, and it's in the very little moment-by-moment moment times of our day, throughout our day. How are we going to respond to the pressures around us, moment-by-moment? Moment? And we are empowered to remain loyal by the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, who has literally taken up residency inside of us. So every time we're loyal to Jesus, his life becomes more enmeshed with our lives. The good news is that once you do eat his flesh and drink his blood, in other words, when his life enters yours and your life enters him and his internal life is at work in you, even when you are disloyal, you will not be able to walk away for long. He remains loyal to us and will continually be inviting you back into relationship with him. 
you know, as I was preparing this, I remember another time in my life where I was really struggling with my loyalty to Jesus. Um, there were some really hard things happening with one of my kids, and I had been praying and praying and praying for for her, and lots of people were praying, and um, and it seemed like God wasn't intervening. And what was really painful is that I believed he said he was going to in a very specific way, and that it didn't happen. And so it felt so personal to me because I was, I was so close to God, and it just felt like I'd been tricked or set up. Man, I was so hurt, and I was so angry, and I was so confused by him. And I just remember, um, you know, one of, one of the ways that I often respond when somebody close to me has, has hurt me is I will kind of pull away, withdrawal, and kind of become passive-aggressive. And so that's literally what I was doing with God. I was just refusing to talk to him or to worship. Um, I was actually just trying to block him out of my mind. I, I actually remember going to a movie in the middle of the day just to kind of try to block God out of my mind. And I remember being the only one in the entire movie theater. It was like the middle of the week and the middle of the day. And so I did this for about a week. And then I just remember waking up one morning. I was so sad. I was in so much pain. And I just remember really sensing God's presence in my room. And I just sat there with tears running down my face. And I just said, I, I can't do this without you. God, I'm so mad at you. I'm so mad and I'm so frustrated with you. But I can't do this without you. I can't face this without you. I can't get out of this bed and put one foot in front of the other without you. I, I need you. And I just felt the Lord say, I'm, I'm right here. Even when I was disloyal to him, he remained loyal to me. So the good news for us today is that when we take Jesus into our being, he takes us into his. So that even when our loyalty to him wavers, his loyalty to us never does. I'd like to end our time taking communion together. As I was preparing this, I thought we need to take some time and practice the Lord's Supper together because that is literally a remembrance of the experience of eating his flesh and drinking his blood, meaning that we are taking his life, death, and resurrection into our bodies. And once again, just inviting the Holy Spirit to incorporate himself into ours. And so hopefully you've had a chance to find some kind of communion elements in your house, um, wine or juice, any kind of bread or crackers, whatever you have in your house. So if you want to grab those now, we're just going to take a minute and take communion together. On the night Jesus was portrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And after he given thanks, he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Every time you eat of this, do this in remembrance of me. So let's take the bread together. In the same way, after, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. Every time you drink of this, do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the cup together. So let me just close this in a time of prayer. And while I'm praying, just receive once again 
all the beauty and the benefits that come from eating the flesh and drinking his blood and remembering that his body, his spirit is being incorporated with ours and he's empowering us to remain loyal to him even when life is hard. And so Lord, I just pray that as we go from here, that your life would be more and more enmeshed with ours and that you would empower us to remain loyal to you in the good times and the bad times. I pray that your love and your peace and your favor would just rest right now on everyone listening. In Jesus' name, amen.